around the world and here at home, bringing relief, hope, and the life-changing message of Jesus. You're listening to the Mize Missions Podcast with Terry Mize. Hi, welcome to the Terry Mize Ministries Podcast. Uh, I'm Lynn Mize. I'm sitting here with Terry and Renee Mize. And this is the very end of December, the 28th of December, 2016. We're wrapping this all up. It's been a good year. God's been good. He's been faithful as he always is. Um, we've had a busy year at Terry Mize Ministries, and, and 2017 looks to be at least as busy, if not busier. And uh, and we're looking forward to it. Dad, we've had a busy 2016. I've, I haven't seen you and Renee very much this year. No, I tell you, we've uh, met ourselves coming and going, you know, <laughs> both here in the States and overseas. And uh, it's been an absolute delight. You know, I, people have asked me for many years of my ministry. Uh, they said, Brother Terry, Dr. Myers said, uh, in all these years of ministry, almost five decades of ministry, uh, do you have any regrets? And uh, and, I've, and I've always said, yes, I, I do have a regret. I, I regret that I only have one life to give for the Lord. Right. You know, and it says I only have one. How can I give any less than my best? But we, we, we've been working since the first of the year and here we are almost to the last of the year, and we're just going to keep working. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about missions all month long, and we want to continue that today. And, and I, I said on last week's podcast, it sounds funny to say we're, we're talking about missions in December because around here we talk about missions every day. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's so so we, we talk about missions all 12 months of the year, but, um, but it's been a good year. It's been a fruitful year, and there are some things changing. You touched on it last week in, in the podcast. There, the nation has changed. We're, we're about to have a brand new president. We're we're uh, you know we're showing signs of of the economy rising. We're showing signs of some positive things. Mm-hmm, right. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that the church is on target. That's right. And that we do what we're supposed to do going into twenty seventeen. Well, well it's because the, the church is on target that we're in this uh, upswing and in a better position than we were this time last year. Well, you talk about that all the time about about the the church being in charge of the ship, the the church oh, driving the ship, and sometimes the church goes to sleep and the and the ship veers off course, and then the the church wakes up and corrects. Right. Every time there's a crisis over the years, World War One, World War Two, nine eleven. Every time there's some major, major crisis, and the church wakes up and says, oh, man, what happened? I went to sleep, and they and then they get it back together and get the ship straightened out again. But uh, God put the church in charge. He, put, right. he put us in, in spiritual authority and dominion Absolutely. Uh, from the very beginning. And um, uh, just because we're asleep or just because we don't know it or just because we've been poorly taught or just because we're in disobedience doesn't mean that we're not in charge. God still put us in charge. Mm. And uh, so right. we've got to do our job. And so uh, we, we have to wake up every now and then and say, hey, church, let's get it together. Let's get this thing turned back into the wind and and uh, and get this thing going the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of work to do. Certainly, uh, there are some there are some things on the horizon that look good for our nation and, and, and for the people. But uh, again, we've got to make sure that we're on course uh, spiritually and, right. and as the church. And we've got to be, you know, so many people say, and you, you alluded to it, but so many people say, well, God's in control and God's in charge and that sort of thing. And yet, if if we really look at it, God's given us authority no, totally. and we Absolutely. need to be in charge in, sure. in the name of Jesus, Absolutely. you know. And, uh, and, and instead of just sitting around waiting for God to do something, we've got to take his word or his will. God's already done what he's going to do. He he gave us Jesus. He gave us the word. He gave us the blood. He gave us the name. He gave us the covenant. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us, he's given us everything and given us authority and put us in charge. And so for us to sit here and holler, oh God, please do something. Oh God, please do something. You know, he's already (laughs) done what he's going to do. Uh, and he'll certainly, uh, help us. and, And he's given us, you know, angels and, and right, everything right. else to uplift us and help us and give us all kind of uh, 
extra little helps. But as far as the the authority and the dominion, he gave that to us. In fact, yeah. he he decided to do that before he ever created us. Genesis right. one Genesis one twenty six. We can look news. right into the heart of God and see God's heart, God's vision, God's purpose, God's dream, what he wanted for the future. Uh, he's made the earth. He's made the animals. He's made the plant plants. He's made everything. And now he's ready to make man. So he makes this statement in verse 26 of Genesis 1. He says, now let us make man uh, so in our likeness, in our, our image, image, and let them yeah. have dominion. Hmm. In today, today's day, we use the word faith and authority and power. But God used a really strong yes, word he there. Did. He said dominion. He said, I want them to dominate. Hmm. And he said, let them have dominion over the fowl of the air, over the fish of the sea, over the cattle of the field, and wow. over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we have <laughs> dominion over creeps. But he, <laughs> put us, he put us in authority, and yes. we see that that was his plan and purpose before he ever built us, before he ever created us. Right. And now the church comes along and, 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 and in the New Testament, and Jesus started off the New Testament, Matthew 10, 1, he says, he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them power over unclean spirits, and power to heal a double L all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I've always said all is the longest word in the Bible. That's all right. manner of sickness, mm -hmm. all manner of disease. And, uh, and then in Luke chapter 10, he said now uh, in verse 19, he said, now behold, or look, or pay attention. I give you power or authority Authority. over uh, oh. to tread on serpents and scorpions and over a double L all the power of the enemy and nothing, N O T H I N G, no thing, nothing, shall by any means hurt you. So we see that whole theme throughout the Word of God. And, and yet, throughout decades, every church and every denomination has preached, well, God's in control. Well, God's in control. I heard a preacher say the other day on TV, he said, he said, you know, if you're in a bad situation right now, if you're sick or you're in a valley or you're in trouble or you're hurting, don't ask God to get you out of it because he's the one that put you there. Wow. Well, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. <laughs> I mean, if we, if we have yeah. a God like that, we wouldn't need a devil. Yeah, like Jesus saying, you know, Jesus came to bring life in abundance, but Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. I mean, how would you get those two mixed up? No, that makes so it pretty you, simple. When you declare that, that God's in control, to me it's a mean doctrine, Lynn. That's right. Because when, when somebody looks at me and says, hey, Terry, God's in control. You got that? God is running absolutely everything. Well, then that immediately puts me in a, in a place where, okay, so why should I pray? Right. It's not going to do any good. Right. Why should I go to church? It's not going to do any good. Right. Why should I pay tithes? It's not going to do any good. Why should I give offerings? It's not going to do any good. Why should I praise and worship? It's not going to do any good. Why should I do anything if nothing I do affects the way I live or if nothing I do affects my outcome? The outcome or then your why destiny. should I ever do anything? Just, just just go fishing the rest of my days. Right. Yeah. You know, but 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 God put us in control. That's right. Now you know, don't get me wrong, God certainly has a restraining hand on the earth. God still owns the earth. It's not the devil's, it's God's. That's right. The Bible says Satan's the God of this world, but that's not talking about the earth. It's talking right. about the world system, the world system. Or the minds of men. The devil, right. the devil took authority over that. The devil took control of that. He became the God of this world system or the God of the minds of men. But Jesus gave us that back. No. But God never relinquished the earth. The Bible says that, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. God said no. the cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. God said the silver is mine and the gold saith the Lord mm -hmm. in Haggai chapter 2. So the earth belongs to God, and we're supposed to be the ones that dominate it. That's hmm. right. Dominate it. Right. Not the minds of men, the earth. And he said, he said, I, he said, let them have dominion over the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, the beasts of the field, mm -hmm. and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God's put, God has, a, has made it to where our faith will work. 
Right. Our prayers will work. Exactly. Our offerings mean something. Our paying our tithes means something. Our giving to missions means something. Our soul winning means something. That what we do actually affects our life and the lives of other people. Out of yeah. the very mouth of Jesus, you know, and, uh, the verses that were real strong uh, eye openers to us when we got turned on the word of faith, as we say, that, that's kind of a, a passe quote at this time. But not to me. Yeah, but the word of faith was a whole message of revelation to us. And when I found out uh, and, and heard Kenneth Copeland preaching on Mark 11, 23 and 24, Brother Hagen preaching, I had to hear it over and over to realize that authority that you're talking about, Terry, is the has been given literally to the church. Absolutely. That whosoever shall, whosoever, how all-inclusive can that be? Lynn, I've always said the gospel is the most fair uh philosophy, doctrine, <laughs> religion of the world, non-discriminatory, because God, everything out through the word of God is just whosoever will. And that if you if you can find a heart, male or female, young or old, regardless of what nationality, country they come from in the world, if God can find somebody that'll believe that if they say to a mountain, it will be removed, <laughs> and that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, which means which again tells me I'm supposed to be praying, not just saying God's in control. Well, the right. church is supposed to be proactive. That's and, and right. That's where she that's misses right. it. We, we lay back and put our feet up and say, okay, whatever God wants to do, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever God's will. But God didn't intend us to do that. He wanted right. us to be It makes be lazy proactive. Christians. That's why, that's why our partners make such a big difference. That's our right. partners that give to us, that pray for us exactly. and send us all over the world. And then what we do, we go around the world, we lift people up, we preach to people. You know, we've talked a lot about orphans and, and uh, uh, widows and, and, and that sort of thing this month of December. Uh, but, you know, that's just the humanitarian right. side of what we do. Right. You know, we're also missionaries. I also preach the gospel. You know, I have pastor seminars in the daytime and train those national pastors. God told me at age 18 to do that. He said, I want you to minister to ministers. My headship ministry is sick. That was way back in 1968, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I've called you to be an apostle. I didn't know God still had apostles. He said, I've called you to be a missionary evangelist. I didn't know what that was. He said, I've called you to minister to my ministers around the world because my headship ministry is sick. And, and I had no clue that that was true, and I had no clue that God would want us to do. No, that's right. It's got to be a, a thing where we continually... Uh, I know I was just going to add on to what you said here as pastors, that Dean and I were pastors for 38 years and that we were literally uh, all the time. It was like every service. It was like uh, if you're if you're doing it like pastors should be, every service should be almost look look like a, a pep rally <laughs> that you've got to keep the church on focus. And pastors today, I've got to continually remind you that that you can't be a coward, you can't be lazy, you can't be a playboy minister. You have to be the man and woman of God that are going to lead the troops, raise the standard, and get it out there. I, I know in Isaiah over there, the scriptures that I had looked at years ago, uh, a long time ago in, in my church, and really founded things on Isaiah fifty-seven fourteen, Isaiah sixty-two ten, about getting the word out there, raising the standard. In other words, when the soldiers were in battle, the 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 trumpet fellow would blow where they needed to go, that they were going to move the troops, and then the, the flag bearer, the standard raiser, would raise that flag up, and all the soldiers would know which direction to go in. And I've always felt like that's what the apostles' ministry was. That's what uh, part of what a pastor does, is that we show the troops where to go. And if they don't 
have that kind of leadership in the body of Christ. Like Terry was saying, if the ministry is not bold and courageous, full of wisdom, faithfulness, all of these things, how is it going to be any different for the sheep? And so we want to say some things. Terry was talking to the headship ministry. He's going to be going to Romania in March and uh, teaching pastors over there, several hundred pastors. And that's always the thing is getting it into the hearts of the leadership so that the men and women of God can take these things of um, faithfulness and um, learning their authority in the kingdom of God, knowing that the name of Jesus will absolutely destroy plots and schemes of the enemy and being able to teach that. And then they take it back to their people. And then they begin to grow those people up in that mindset. Yeah, well, training leadership is the is the most effective thing that we've ever seen, Dad. Um, you know, we go in and you and you put so much into these leaders, absolutely, and then they can take that back and put it into their people, and it's it's. Uh, well, no, it covers more territory. That's what I was saying. God spoke to me to do that when I was eighteen, and I knew at eighteen I didn't have anything to say to ministers around the world, and I knew that ministers around the world didn't want to hear what I didn't have to say, so I knew that was a <laughs> word I would grow into. Yeah. But, you know, it didn't take too awful long. Mom and I did, uh, Jackie and I did all kind of other things uh, in the ministry. But we finally grew into being able to go do pastor's conferences and where pastors wanted to hear what we have to say. Now, you know, it's almost become a cliche anymore because now almost everybody and their dog that goes overseas, uh, you know, from a pastor to song leader to, to whoever in church, uh, tries to do pastor's conferences. But, you know, uh, God anointed me to do it. You know, right. God told right. me to do it. it it's Big my difference. assignment to do it. And so so all these years, you know, uh, I, I've done pastor's conferences in the daytime and then crusade at night or evangelistic meetings at night with healings and miracles. So in the morning, we're teaching the pastors to line up online, precept upon precept, and train them in what we call the word of faith. And then at night, I'm showing them by demonstration what I've taught them in the daytime by precept, I, they see blind eyes, open deaf ears, unstopped cripples, walk devils, cast out. And, uh, and you know, I can bring in a thousand pastors or 500 pastors or 200 pastors, whatever, uh, 2,000 pastors sometimes at a time, uh, and bring them to me and train them several sessions in the daytime. And uh, there's no way I could reach all their churches. There's no way I could go to those 500 churches or 200 churches or 1,000 churches. It's impossible to do that, yet I can bring them to me and teach them and train them where they immediately go back and put it into effect. And, uh, you know, Angie uh, Evans, who's a dear, dear friend of ours and the whole the whole Fred Price family, Angie's Fred's, uh, one of Fred's daughters, and Angie pretty well has run the ministry uh, there in California in Crenshaw Christian Center all these many, many years. And I've known her since she's a teenager, you know, and and uh, she's just a tremendous lady and wears lots of hats and does a lot of stuff. Uh, but she made the statement to me years ago. And then later, her sister Cheryl came up and made the same statement to me. And Angie said, you know, Terry, she said, uh, uh, missionaries shouldn't have to believe God for food on their table. They should have all their faith on reaching the lost, healing the sick, casting out devils, all that kind of thing. And the church at home should provide uh, the food on the table. The church at home should provide the living, and the missionary ought to be able just to focus on the ministry. Well, you know, that's a powerful revelation and a powerful truth. It is. Uh, but, you know, I repeated it a couple of times from the pulpit, and then I wrote it in one of my newsletters, and one of my one of my partners got mad and quit partnering with us. You know, he was a pastor up in, I don't know, up in Pennsylvania or somewhere, and and, uh, and, you know, he just said, well, you know, I don't, I don't like that statement. You, know, you should be a faith man. Well, you know, I think most everybody that knows me knows I'm a faith man. 
you know, we've lived all these years without asking for a place to preach or making our needs known, our personal needs known to anybody or whatever. Uh, but uh, we've always been faith, and we always will be faith. But yet that was a powerful revelation and a powerful statement that, that both of those ladies made, that that if, if we would work together, that's how partnership works, that the, that the church at home that's right. uh, supports missions. Now, today it's almost we've got the cart before the horse where, where we've got, you know, Pastors going on mission trips and people in the church going on mission trips and everybody else going on mission trips and even using the church's missions money to do it when uh, and that's fine and they'll actually accomplish something but if you send somebody that's anointed to do it they're going to accomplish more you know I can that's accomplish right. more more things with less money right. simply because I have right. the anointing gone on me to do it you know it'd be like it'd be like me pastoring the church you know I could go pastor somebody's church uh, and I'd have some measure of success, but yet I wouldn't be as good as the person that's called to do it, the person that's anointed to do it, because I'm not a pastor. Right. No, that's right. And and you talk uh, talking about how 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 missionaries shouldn't have to, you know, struggle for money, mm-hmm. and they should be able to keep their focus on 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 their task and sure, what they're doing. Sure. You know, you use the example a lot of times in a war. You've got military guys and women on the front lines, sure. and they don't have to go beg for bullets. No, that's you know right. their focus is on their job. Right. They don't have and, to come home and, and beg for bullets. And their food and their supplies are taken care of. And yet in the church we don't do that. Right. No, that's right. We send the missionaries to the front lines. And say, okay, y'all go fight the enemy, and then when you run out of bullets and, and you're wounded and hurt, then come back home and go yeah. church to church to church and beg for bullets, and maybe we'll maybe we'll give you some. Yeah. And that's not the way this thing's supposed to work. No, right. And uh, thank God faith faith undercuts all that. And so we've been able to cut out the middleman over the years and just believe God. Yeah. And uh, God's, God's blessed us and God's given us good partners. And we pray for our partners every day. Every we do. Day we pray for we our do. partners. We, all we, do. we don't count one offering lightly. We don't take it lightly. When somebody says to me, Brother Terry, we're going to partner with you. Uh, man, I mean, I get in covenant with them and believe God on them. And I, we, don't, we don't take that lightly. And, you know, uh, sporting prayer. I've had lots of times people say to me, Brother Terry, back on such and such a date on the calendar, uh, God woke me up and told me to pray for you at such and such a time. And I can go back and look on the calendar and say, oh, man, I was in India or I was in Africa or I was in Thailand or I was in Burma illegally or I was here or there, and, and I, I needed prayer right then. And uh, no telling what our partners have prayed us out of. That's because right. if you know if God wakes you up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning uh, in the States, it may be noon where I'm at and whatever time zone I'm at around the world, and I may be fighting the devil and may, may need some prayer support. Yeah, need some prayer, and uh, and I'd appreciate it too because sometimes I'm there in, the, in a mess with you. Sure. <laughs> but... Uh, but no, we do appreciate our partners, and and you know as we as we round out 2016 and we hit 2017 with a full steam here. Um, what are you what are you looking for in 2017? There's I feel like there's going to be a lot of things that happen this year. Um, certainly, we've talked about you know politically and economically, our country's in a different place. You know where some things are changing, but but you know this is my view, and correct me if you if, if I'm wrong. But you know the church worldwide, the church certainly. United States wide has seemed so weak and watered down mm-hmm. Sure, that in order to do what we've got to do in here, these last days, we can't go about it the way we've been going about it. No, absolutely. and we've got a And we've got a new year and we, and we really need a new tactic. Well, you know, I've said all, all this last year, maybe for a couple of years in pulpits all over America and in other nations as well. I so said, I believe the day is coming when the congregation will make demand of the pastor, not the other way around, not the pastor demanding of the congregation, but the congregation going to the pastor and saying, Pastor, we need more church. We're just not getting enough. We're just not meeting enough. You know, because, you know, in the old days, I say old days, you know, back when I was a boy and a teenager and, and, and young adult, 
we had lots of church meetings. I mean, lots of church meetings. I mean, sometimes we'd have revivals that'd go two weeks, three weeks, 10 weeks, 15 weeks, 18 weeks, uh, every night, including Saturday. And, uh, and I tell you what, the church was strong and America was strong. And I, I've made the statement, you've heard me say this all your life, that in any nation, as goes the church, goes the nation. If the nation's strong, I mean, if the church is strong in the nation, that nation will be strong. If the church is healthy, the nation will be healthy. But if it's the other way around, if the church is not doing too good, then the nation's not doing too good. And you know, our nation hadn't done too good in quite a while. And uh, yet, if you look at the state of the churches, the churches hadn't done too good either. Now, sure, we have a few mega churches around the country. And so people look at those and they, oh, that's the way it is in every town in America. But that's not true. Those those churches are very few and far between. And uh, and some of those churches are great. And some of them are just, you know, they're, they're not so great. They just collect a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, uh, but, but we need to realize that when the church is strong and healthy, the nation will be strong and healthy. And so uh, somewhere back in the... 80s, I guess it was, and we stopped having these revivals and started going to a, th- a three-day seminar. Yeah, and you know, three-day seminars are great. You can do a lot in three days. You can you can have a marriage seminar, or a faith seminar, or a Holy Spirit seminar, or a healing seminar, or a prosperity seminar, whatever. In three days, you can cover a lot of territory. But then, somewhere about 10, 15 years ago, we quit doing that mm-hmm. and just started having Sunday morning meetings only. We don't even have right. Sunday night anymore. Right. And so all of a sudden, we've gone from revivals for weeks at a time to three-day seminars to Sunday morning only. And frankly, it's not working. If you look around America, it's not working. If you look around the church, it's not working. If you look at these these little single moms and these 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 families that are struggling and trying That's to right. make things work, just getting a little 25-minute sermon in, on Sunday morning is just not getting the job done. And we need strong pastors. That's in fact, right. we need we need pastors that are more afraid of God than they are the congregation. Yeah, right. I love that statement. We, we need say pastors that will stand the pulpit right. and declare the word of God uncompromisingly with fire in their bones and with some kind of an anointing, which some, some churches hadn't seen in a long time. But we need a pastor to stand up with anointing and help his people, bless his people, minister to his people. Then they need to be exposed to the apostle, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher. They need to be exposed to all ministry right. gifts. And uh, we need to put this back in the in the proper order that it once was because, frankly, you know, an hour service a week isn't getting the job done, and 20 minutes worth of preaching a week isn't getting the job done. No, people, no, are, that's right. people are hurting out there. As Renee and I traveled around going to churches, you know, people are sick, people are hurting, people need prayer, people need help, and uh, that help's supposed to come from, from the pulpit. It's supposed to come from uh, the, the ministry. Yeah, and it's not supposed to be the sheep. It. The sheep are not supposed to be running the church. The pastor's supposed to be running the church. And then we've also got pastors and sheep today that they want to live like a pig and be blessed like a sheep. And you just can't live any old way you want to uh, out in the pig pen and then expect to come in and God bless you for it. That's that's a false doctrine. It's a lie. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do is look in the mirror and look around the nation to see that it's not true. We need church, church, and more church and pastors that are more afraid of God than they are the congregation. That's exactly right. Well, that's powerful. Well, and that's how it was when, when, you know, all those years that, that the Mize family attended the church that you and Dean pastored, Renee, right. was, you know, we did Sunday morning, we did Sunday night, yeah. we did Wednesday night, we did special meetings, oh, yeah. we did youth group, we did, you know, I mean, it was church, right. you know, right. it wasn't, it and wasn't. Seminars every month. Or right, yeah. and seminars, right. and then, and then you know, missions projects, and, you know, there was so much involvement, right. and, and going to church back then in the way that I grew up, and certainly at the church that you guys pastored, it wasn't something that we did, it was something that we were. No, that's right, and it it defines who you are. People don't have a value on church like they used to. I've I've noticed in some uh, venues that, and it's that value that you place on church. Going to church adds a dimension of quality and dignity to the life of a Christian. Well, church is family. 
It is. It, it, it has so many different layers of blessing that it can add into your life. And, and people can just look at it face value and say, oh, that's an hour and a half and blah, 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 blah. Or that's two hours and, or two and a half is too long or, or whatever. And, and they begin the to music's qualify. too loud. Yeah. Or, and they begin or they to sing too much or they don't sing yeah. enough or my baby got bit in the nursery. Yeah. They, they it's try too cold to, in here. It's too exactly. hot in here. They try to qualify the whole dynamic experience by picking one thing out that didn't fit their personality in some way. But it's God's system, and we live in a generation that we've seen the fruit of that has not benefited the human race, and that is a fatherless generation and an unchurched generation. Hmm. And people are very ignorant. Uh, They don't know who they are. They may love their pastor. They may go to a church that preaches salvation, but they are unfamiliar with dealing with an atmosphere where the presence of the Lord is there, and you can tangibly feel the presence of God. They are ignorant of uh, scriptural authority that Terry's been. When we go into some churches, some churches where they have not been taught any spiritual authority, but they've been taught how to worship. They've been taught how to give. Maybe they've been taught how to be faithful and on time to church or be there, but they don't know how to apply it in the day to day, everyday life. They, most of their prayers are begging. Most of their prayers are fear filled in that they don't know if God's going to do it or not. They're double-minded, as James chapter 1 says, and they don't know simple stories of Daniel in the lion's den. (laughs) They don't know simple stories of of how God turned the axe head, you know, made it float. float, They don't know the miraculous things, and they have not been told, like Psalm 78 says, the great facts of God's dealings with Israel. And so we have a church that's uninformed. We have people in our churches that uh, don't understand how to pray. They don't understand how to use their faith. And then we have a whole unchurched path of our nation or more that doesn't even realize or understand or see any need for the obligation of going to church and being held. I mean, literally, my years of going to church as a young girl, being held and the absolute church held me and kept me away from the wrong people at the wrong time because I knew every Sunday, I didn't understand it, but every Sunday when I went to church, every Wednesday night when I went to church, there were messages preached that tenderized my conscience. Mm. And so as I heard the word, the word kept my conscience tender so that if I got in the wrong place with the wrong person or did the wrong thing, I, I was immediately convicted by it. And that's what church helps in the day to day like that, as well as teaching you how to live by faith, pray in faith, and then see miracles in your own personal life. Not just like God taking the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea. God will do that on a personal level in your life every day. And you'll learn how to do how to receive miracles just right there in front of you for your children and your family and marriage, as well as the big things in life if you faced a terrorist <laughs> and they're gonna try to kill you. If you hadn't learned how to do it back here, you're not you're gonna you're gonna flake out in the in the real tough times of life. Yeah. Well, thank God the word of word the word of God works and the word of faith works and the name of Jesus works. Um, I want to say this real quick. We're, we we need to wrap this up, but I just got a text from a dear pastor friend. He said, Hey, did you take up uh, orphanage uh, offerings for Christmas this year? And the answer is yes, we did. And uh, we've been doing it uh, all the month of December. He's not and, listening to our podcast. Well, is he? evidently <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to give him our podcast information. But uh, anyway, the point is, uh, let me thank all of our partners all of our friends that have sent money in, you've sent money in, you've blessed the kids, and uh, we're still sending money out. We've sent some out. We're still sending some out. In fact, we'll still be sending out after the holiday if 
if if things are like they are every year, some people they believe in God to to help us, or even like this this guy here. We're already after Christmas. He's like, hey, did you take a an offering up? And so uh, you know we get we get money, and sometimes after the fact we still send it over. Plus, as Renee said a while ago, we're going to Romania in March, and uh, when we do, well, we'll minister to gypsy pastors, but then we'll go see our orphans. And we'll take those kids, and many of whom I've known all their lives. I mean, from the time, and you have too, Lynn, some, some of them, some time they're in, in born, I mean, sure. in their crib. Uh, and some of them are in university today. A couple of them went to went to Italy this year to to uh, be trained in nursing. I mean, I'm so proud of them. They're growing up. One one little girl uh, that I've known since she was a baby is now in university studying to be a neurosurgeon. Uh, but anyway, we'll go see our orphans, and so we'll take them shopping. We'll, we'll bless them. We'll give us. So we'll take whatever money comes in. So, so thank you so much for those of you that did send money this That's month. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank Amen. you, thank you. Bless you. And uh, we appreciate that so much. And God's God's big on giving to orphans, so God's got a blessing for you for that. And uh, but also, if you still want to do it, we can still take it. Just just you know, obviously, we have our our regular missions partners that send us money every month. So thank you for doing that. But if That's you right. want to do something more than that and say. Hey, this is for missions, or this is for orphans, or or this is for you know whatever. Uh, well, orphans Christmas, you can call it that. Uh, we'll still get it to them just because it's after Christmas, and uh, we can we can still do that. But we love you. Uh, we're ending this year. We're we're starting next year, and uh, I tell you, it's it's going to be good. I'm not slowing down. I'm speeding up, and uh, we're not looking at retirement. We're looking at, re- at refirement. And, That's right. And it's just well, there's no there's no quit. Well, there's no quit in us. No, there's a lot to do, and we do thank you. We appreciate you from the from the Mize family and the staff of Terry Mize Ministries. We're so thankful for our partners and, and have enjoyed so much doing this podcast because we feel like it gives us a, a connection to you. So if we can be a blessing to you as this year ends and the new year starts, please let us know. Contact us on terrymize.com, T-E-R-R-Y-M-I-Z-E.com. Get a hold of us by phone, 918-392-9930. We want to hear from you. If you're believing God for something... We want to hook our faith up with yours. If you've had a breakthrough and God's answered your prayer, then we want to celebrate that with you. We want a relationship with you, and we appreciate you being here. So we go into 2017 praying for you, lifting you up, and thankful for you. And we're excited to be with you next week. Be sure and check in with us. On Wednesday, we'll release the first podcast of 2017, and uh, we'll hit the ground running. So we thank you so much. Look forward to being with you next week. You've been listening to a Mize Missions podcast. For all the latest updates to our global projects, speaking engagements, and social media, visit us at terrymize.com. You can partner with us to give living bread to dying men around the world. Get involved at terrymize.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Terry Mize Ministries.